As we go to the scripture this morning, we're going to, you're going to hear very familiar words, and, and it is about what lay at the foundation of what we do as, as Christian disciples. It is those, those things that beyond the greatest commandment, which is, you remember, is love God with all that you are, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus gets very specific in what all that means as we hear these words from Matthew. Scripture today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Thank you, David. I'm going to do something different, and I've only done this, I think, once before here. Before I sit in the teacher chair, which is anyone who's been in my Wednesday class knows that this is the teacher chair. Um, I want to remind you of last Sunday, and not just the confirmands, but you know, we went directly from church down to Des Moines to Wesley Homes to celebrate my folks' 65th wedding anniversary. And it was an incredible celebration. Over 100 people there, uh, really just honoring these lives that have done so much for so many. And, um, and there came a point in my dad's talk, uh, which this is where I get my verbose um, DNA. Um, which went way too long and, and almost ended right when he began to talk about Orlando. 
and he just broke down, and he wept. And, and then I was reminded um, yesterday, I went to a wedding back in Sunnyside yesterday, and I heard words from this pastor that were so inflammatory and so judgmental and so negative, I, I just I wanted to get up and leave, uh, especially on the heels of what happened last Saturday evening. And I'm reminded about some things, and you're going to hear about some of that um, this morning. But I wanted to give you the context, and particularly the words that David just read. As we look at the state of this church, the state of Aldersgate United Methodist Church, and the celebrations, and there are tons of them from last year. And as we move into a new year, and particularly move into a new year given our mission statement. So... And unlike most weeks, I'm going to read my sermon this morning. I don't want to go off on a bunch of tangents. I think think you'll understand why in a little bit. Well, in many ways, it's the final Sunday of the program year. And next Sunday, as I said about Christian and his outfit, next Sunday is conference Sunday. And then I'm at camp for a week serving as camp pastor. And then we're going to be at the cabin for a few days after that. Vince? Vince Fratello will be leading worship and bringing the messages for these next two weeks. I've read the sermons, and I so wish I could be here to hear them delivered. They are outstanding. Do not want to miss these messages. They relate perfectly to what we've been talking about regarding families and where I'll be headed in the messages over the summer. But this Sunday, even on this Father's Day, is kind of my annual State of the Church address, if you will. So I want to take a few minutes to look back and then spend some time looking ahead. So here we go. Just a few examples utilizing our mission statement. There is no question but that we have grown in faith. I think any time you spend a year focusing on Jesus, something is going to happen. It has for many, both in Wednesday classes and here in worship. Our questions seem to have taken on more depth. Our explorations have become more intentional. Under Jen's leadership and the intentional tutelage of some amazing volunteers, our children have found a new voice in their faith. That has also been extended into the youth, became much more apparent, evident last week as the confirmation class led us in worship for the first time. Those of you that were at first service last week will know Their words were honest. They were heartfelt. They have absolutely grown in their relationships, grown in their understanding of God, of Jesus, of their faith, and their ability to talk about what it all means. And I can't move on without talking about the faith we've had in each other here in this church as we've taken on in faith the ability to pay for a kitchen that was in need, desperate need of updating. And here we are, still trusting that the funds will be there as the kitchen is now completed, and as we as staff continue in our work in the church. And there is so much more that I could talk about regarding faith. We've seen growth in our love of each other. I need go no further than the mini mission trip. I watched in absolute admiration as young and old, skilled and unskilled, weak and strong, experienced and inexperienced, worked alongside each other for a greater good. The relationships grew deeper as a result, and those are the kinds of experience I hope to see more often as we continue to grow as a church, particularly in the coming year. 
We continue to have groups of support for a variety of ages and experiences. We have removed what seemed to be a roadblock between the church upstairs and the preschool downstairs. And more and more, it feels like one body. And may that continue well into the future. We've cared for each other in continual, consistent, and overwhelming ways. Cared for those new to the church and those who have been here for many, many years. It is a significant part of what it means to be a part of Aldersgate. And not to mention things like the fall festival and the harvest dinner and the Christmas gatherings and so many other of the various gatherings that we've had. Yaws comes to mind and others. Gatherings of the Aldersgate family and there is so much more. We've been growing in our health and on a variety of fronts. The core leadership team, for instance, continues to gain strength, confidence in their Um, in their communication with each other. Sometimes it's in their ability to agree with each other. But the major growth I've seen is now in how they are able to disagree. That is a sign of growing health in our leaders. And as much as the health team has taken a bit of a break, I've watched as we've changed the way we offer food here, particularly in coffee hour or other places. There is now always vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, and other healthy healthy options available. Laura, Pastor Laura, has led us in ever-deepening ways as we grow in our emotional health as individuals, as a church, and in our response to the community around us. And that has expanded beyond our doors as Connections Counseling, begun here at Aldersgate, is one way we've seen the growth in health not only here but throughout the region. And again, there is so much more. We've grown in multiple areas of service. We've grown in services in each of our worship services with a greater focus, better planning, and much of it because first at first service because of the praise band under Roger's leadership and the expansion to include some really incredibly gifted folks. This group of musicians in second service, it, it overwhelms me every week, whether it's the bells or the choir. They each offer themselves each week to create an atmosphere for worship that is frankly well beyond average or normal. It is in both first and second services consistently exquisite. Thank you for that. Beyond worship, tens of thousands of dollars have poured through the pastor's discretionary fund. And it is a place that will fill gas tanks, propane tanks, offer food, temporary housing, car repairs, children's clothing, warm blankets, gloves and mittens, and so many other things. And I will share with you that I've now had calls from multiple community agencies asking how we can help other churches understand the importance of what we do. Finally, so many... Community organizations are strengthened because of the time, the talents, the dedication, and desire to serve on the part of this congregation. It is truly at the heart and is the heartbeat of this place. And there is so much more. But those are but a few things that I recognize from this past year. But, and I said there are many, many more. But I also want to take a few minutes to look ahead. It's hard to begin with a tragedy like last Saturday evening, but I think it's an appropriate place to begin. Last Sunday, after coming home from my folks' 65th wedding anniversary, the celebration for my parents, I came as close as I've ever come 
toward making an outward statement on behalf of the church. I wanted to put a rainbow flag on our sign and change the words to We Are Orlando. I looked again at the mission statement of being vibrant like that flag or this parachute and inclusive in what it represents with all the colors coming together. But then I wondered what your response would have been. So I thought I'd deal with that this morning. We decided two years ago to make this statement our defining statement. A mission statement is that which defines everything we do. And now I want us to get better at it, and particularly as a focus of this year. But here's what else is going on. As of this time next Sunday, I begin a whole new adventure in my pastoral career. Sunday afternoon, once it's announced at annual conference that I'll be serving here for another year, it will be the first time in my life, and certainly the first time in my pastoral career, that I've been at one church for more than five years. I thought again, what is the legacy that we want to leave here? What is it that we need to be as a church that can help others understand the insanity that was last Saturday evening in Orlando? What can I do, and maybe more importantly, what can we do together to get our communities to understand how to move forward through these kinds of times? And once again, I thought of the rainbow and the rainbow flag. Then came the miracle of last Wednesday night. Last Wednesday night was the last Wednesday night class, and so we left here oh, probably about 8.45 and headed up the hill. And the sun was just beginning to set. And as we went up the hill, we saw traces of a rainbow. And by the time we got to the top of the hill, it wasn't just a full rainbow, friends. I have never seen a rainbow like this in my life. No exaggeration. I, we stopped and I got out and was getting the mail and I looked up and I said, Dorothy, you've got to get out of the car and look at this. Because it wasn't one of those double rainbows. It was a layered rainbow. And it was like it was three rainbows on top of each other, one just a little bit below the others. I've never seen the colors so vibrant. I've never seen it shine for so long. And I've never seen the depth of something like that. And I just thought, my God, thank you for this reminder that this is the description of the world. And is it, it is the world as it should be. Vibrant and colorful and healthy and energetic and those kinds of things. And then I kept thinking about this table and what it represents, especially on Monday, Thursday, each year we examine who it was that was seated around the table when Jesus offered that last supper with his disciples. We concentrate often on the 11 that remained, and I want to remind us who was sitting there. Sitting there was a thief who made a lot of money by stealing from his own people. There was a violent criminal who would rather kill Romans than look at them, there were two egocentric and inappropriate brothers, both of whom were to some extent mama's boys. And there was an old and inexperienced graying man and a really young and totally inexperienced teenager. And there was this blustery, often belligerent rock who said one thing only to do another to protect himself. But to some extent, I want to not forget the one who left the table that night and what happened as he chose to take actions that would cause death. He had been welcomed and accepted as a part of that inner circle. He got upset 
as his expectations were not fulfilled and the, and the norms he expected from life were challenged by the very man he followed. He took money to name and identify Jesus and it was the final piece that led to the death of Jesus. We talk about diversity and then we forget that even Judas was welcomed at the table. But Jesus would not avoid confronting him for the harm he was preparing to cause. Nor should we ever fail to confront those who would do harm. And what was the difference between Judas and the other disciples? The others grew and changed because of Jesus. Grew in their understanding of faith, love, health, and service. They changed partially because of his patient persistence and changed because of his consistency of message. Judas did not. Judas told the authorities and created death as a result. And that brings us to this. This is a rainbow parachute. It has handles on all sides and can cover most of the front of this sanctuary. And it can mean a lot of different things. I will tell you, to me, it means solidarity with those whose lives may be different than ours. Particularly in times like this, where they face things they should never, ever, ever have to face. And as I thought about all of that and thought about McKenna being confirmed at first service this morning and the 14 other youth who led us in worship last Sunday, and those who chose to join and those who chose not to, but articulated some incredibly well-thought-out reasons to wait. I kept wondering, what is the example that I want us to offer these youth and these children who are coming after them? What is it that I want them to know, to learn, to experience here? And on, <clears throat> on the heels of Orlando, which kept coming to mind, so did Newtown, Connecticut, Columbine High School, Oklahoma City, and Seattle Pacific University. I thought about Marysville Pilchuck High School, and of San Bernardino. All of those events have happened, at least to a great extent, in the lifetime of these kids. Then I thought about Donald Trump. I thought about Hillary Clinton. And I kept thinking, why is it that so many folks this age and up through the next generation found hope in a message of Bernie Sanders? And then once again, I thought of our mission statement and the potential power it holds. But the issue is... It is potential power. Potential power. But to become real, it has to be implemented in all that we do. And this next year, I want to explore more fully what all of that means. To begin, what does it mean to be in solidarity in our mission? Does it really mean that we all need to agree? No. It does, however, mean that we stand together with those who are grieving, those who are in need, those who have lost, those who are suffering. We take on the underlying causes of what creates the situations that cause harm. We take time to hear personal stories and are willing to share our own. We don't ask inappropriate questions or make damaging or disparaging comments about lives or faith or religion or culture. We stand unapologetically as Christians and sometimes that means we stand holding others upright, particularly those who have lost the ability to stand alone. Sometimes it means we stand in the gap between love and hate. Sometimes it means we take on things that will heal others 
or more particularly and specifically, that will heal society. If there was anything consistent around what Jesus did, friends, that was it. That's what he always did. And as followers of Jesus, as Christian disciples, we are called to do the same. Called to do the same. So what is the state of the church? Unlike general conference, it appears to me that we are ready to move forward. We need more to step into leadership who are willing to take some risks and lead us into the next five years. We need to solidify what we already have and decide if, in fact, we stand behind our mission statement of being a vibrant and inclusive Christian community and not separating any of those elements. We are a Christian community, even if that raises disagreements. And if we are truly seeking to grow in faith, love, health, and service, then our disagreements can strengthen us if offered in healthy and appropriate ways. And right there is something we can show the surrounding communities. Right there. To learn how to disagree and stay together. Talk about solidarity. A new adventure lay ahead. I'm excited about it, but there is one more element that I need from you. And it's you. To accomplish what I believe we're capable of accomplishing means that we need more to step in to lead. I know we can take all this on. Why? Because we are Aldersgate, a vibrant, inclusive, Christian community growing in faith, love, health, and service. Will you pray with me? God, I wish that that parachute would just fly out of that container. I wish that we could all understand our role as Christian disciples. To stand in the gap, to take risks and do what is necessary. To be what it is you need us to be. No matter where we live, for where the events of the world are happening, we can and must have an influence. God, I ask that as a congregation, that as we look at this next year, that what we do is be intentional, more intentional, about coming together with issues that are at the heart of so much of what's going on in our communities and in the world and in this country, and be able to talk about those in ways that reflect our love of each other, even in the midst of disagreements. And if we find those places where others are causing harm or potentially even causing harm, we step into that gap and take the appropriate actions that will lead this community, this country, this world toward the kind of love and health that you seek. God, help us see our own potential and help us see the power in that potential and take the actions that bring it to fruition. I thank you today to be able to be here next year and hopefully years for years to come to see us become even more at what we already are. But we need your help as much as we need the help of each other. 
We lift up all of those for whom this is a day of loss and fear and ask that your love and grace and hope re-enter into those lives and help us be a part of all of that. All this we ask in the powerful, powerful name of the one we seek to follow, our Lord Jesus Christ.